Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. In a number of prior episodes, we've explored the notion of a relationship hierarchy, considering the many ways in which relationships can differ, as well as the ways in which we can decide what we seek from each relationship and the ways and extent to which we invest ourselves in each relationship. In this episode, we'll take a look at the possibility of our having primary relationships, and we'll consider the things that might make such relationships very special. We'll also consider the process through which such relationships might emerge. In brief, when discussing relationship hierarchies, primary relationships are usually defined as those which command special attention and priority. The associated preference may play out through a person's level of investment in that relationship, in terms of time or other resources allotted to it, as well as in the level of emotional connection and commitment associated with it. Since a monogamous relationship involves only one partner, such a relationship is primary by definition. In a monogamous marriage, each partner is expected, per social norms, to be fully and exclusively invested in their one partner. That investment includes the sexual connection, but also all other aspects of living a conjoint life. Committed but unmarried monogamous partners may share a similar level of commitment and investment, but that connection may not cover all aspects of relationship. For example, a committed unmarried couple may agree to share many expenses, but they may choose to not live together. Since polyamory involves multiple partners, that relationship style opens the possibility of a relationship hierarchy. If a person sees and treats each of their partners differently, that creates a hierarchy. While most of what follows in this episode applies to monogamous, de facto primary partners, in what follows we'll focus on hierarchy considerations in polyamorous relationships. A person may feel preference or a special level of commitment to a relationship without necessarily acting on that preference in how we treat the subject partner. A good many polyamory practitioners make an effort to treat all partners at least roughly equally, even if each partnered relationship is somewhat different from others. That sort of stance is especially important to those who practice relationship anarchy, which has a fundamental tenet of rejecting hierarchy. Even in cases where a person does accord special treatment or preference to a particular partner, that person can certainly treat all partners with comparable respect and caring. Relationship hierarchies develop over time. As we interact with specific partners, we come to know and understand them, as well as ourselves, better. We discover our common ground, as well as our areas of difference. We become more open to each other and share intimate information and intimate experiences we come to appreciate each other's personality and style of relating. As a consequence of this accumulating exchange of intimate information, our degree of felt emotional connection can shift. While some relationships may reach a plateau of emotional depth, a few precious relationships may inspire deep love in us. That is the basis for attachment. Those are the connections that become candidates for primary relationships. Most primary relationships include at least some degree of interest in sensual and sexual connection. In some cases of strong attachment, that spark may be very bright. The partners experience romantic attachment. In other cases, though, the sexual element may be weak or absent. In such cases, the partners experience platonic attachment, which can still be motivated by a strong emotional pull between the partners, despite the lack of sexual energy. 
Emotional attachment is associated with several behavioral changes. The partners seek physical closeness and emotional connection. They show tenderness and affection toward each other. Their growing trust allows them to share sensitive, intimate information. Their caring for each other motivates acts of giving and support between them. Their mutual acceptance promotes confident self-expression and communication between them. These feelings of healthy mutual emotional attachment and the associated behaviors encourage the partners to consider making commitments to one another. Those might focus on mutual forms of physical or emotional support, or they might include agreements regarding the partner's behavior. The partners might also put thought and energy into planning and preparing for a shared future. Commitments are manifestations of the underlying emotional attachment between partners. They're a way to increase relationship security, to increase the probability of continuing the relationship into the future. The deepening of a relationship through the preceding process opens the possibility of creating a new primary relationship. As a relationship deepens, it passes through a series of states or stages that I've described in Episode 3-4, titled The Relationship Life Cycle. These states are 1. Seeking connection, that is, being receptive to new connections before one is involved in a relationship. 2. Attraction, the initial draw to connect with a newly met person before we interact with them. 3. Deepening, the possible growth in feelings of closeness as we interact with someone over time. 4. Bonding, a desire to solidify a relationship driven by attachment and a desire for commitment. 5. Fading, the possible weakening of a relationship over time, possibly due to issues or boredom. And 6. Morphing, a decision to end or change the form of a relationship that has strongly faded. Since this episode is focused on considering how a relationship can become primary, we'll only consider states 3 and 4 here, that is, deepening and bonding respectively. Note that we don't assume that all relationships progress sequentially through these six states. Many other transition paths are possible. When partners are interacting with each other throughout the possibly lengthy, deepening state of their relationship, they learn a great deal about each other. It's during that state that they learn how comfortable they are with each other and how well they fit each other's relationship goals and desires. They become acquainted with each other's life goals, dreams, fears, and personal history. All of this constitutes a deepening of the level of intimacy between them. This is the point in their relationship at which they may fall in love with each other. As we've discussed in previous episodes, falling in love is different from loving one another. The latter is an affective or emotional assessment of one another, while being in love gives rise to all of the behaviors and feelings that are motivated by the underlying attachment between the partners. I believe that crossing the emotional threshold into being in love is what motivates a desire for commitment between the partners. That commitment is driven by feelings of emotional attachment. It's very possible to love someone without being in love with them, but I don't believe that simply loving someone is enough to trigger attachment feelings or behaviors or the ensuing interest in commitment. As I see it, one's primary relationships is or are drawn from a set of one's committed relationships. That is, primary relationships are a subset of one's committed relationships. They're very special. From one's potentially many uncommitted relationships, growing emotional attachment and the attendant possible desire for commitment may lead one to establish a smaller set of committed relationships. 
Some of those committed relationships can be very special to us, but not so much that we choose to make major commitments or give special preference to those partners. In contrast, a very few of our committed relationships may become so precious to us that we wish to make that partner or partners central to our lives. For that reason, I've labeled such connections as core relationships. Those are primary to us. I use those terms interchangeably. We choose to make our life interdependent with such people, and they have preferential access to our attention, our energy, our resources, and our affection. For me, it's an open question as to whether it's possible for a person to sustainably have more than one primary partner at a given time. Certainly, mainstream believers in monogamous marriage would categorically say no. Being primary brings with it a very special focus from one's partner. It may be unrealistic to try to divide that focus across two or more primary partners. However, people do differ in both their capacity and desire for deep connection. Given that, perhaps it isn't ludicrous to consider the possibility of people with two primary partners. If feasible, that would seem to me to be a uniquely satisfying relationship situation. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors. <laughs>